the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Many happy returns on the glorious feast of the resurrection. I'm going to read for you a message from His Grace Bishop Yusuf. My beloved children, Christ is risen, truly He is risen. Who is like the Lord our God? His mercies outnumber the sand of the sea. His generous love is beyond measure. What has He left undone to save us and give us eternal life? When we think of God's many benevolent attributes, generosity is a constant characteristic. Immeasurable is God's desire to give us eternal life. Though He asks for little, He gives with abundance. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He offered Himself as a sacrifice of love and His precious blood was shed as a ransom for the human race. His glorious resurrection assures the world that a resurrection awaits each one of us. The world foolishly tries to deal with God from an intellectual and practical perspective, but fails to grasp God's love for all and His pleasure to give us eternal life. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? We are assured of God's generous love in His glorious resurrection, for He suffered immensely to give us a better and greater life that is everlasting and void of pain and sorrow. He furnished the earth in the days preceding the creation of man in preparation of the arrival of humanity on the sixth day. Saint Isaac the Syrian says, In love did he bring the world into existence. God left nothing undone to give us love, grace, forgiveness, and eternal life. The Lord's generosity was demonstrated throughout His ministry by transforming sinners to saints, esteeming the meek, feeble, and outcasts, healing the sick, whether by fault or circumstance, welcoming all people, blessing the children, and feeding the multitudes. The beginning of the journey of the Holy Great Fast provided instructions for laying up treasures in heaven without worry about needs and materialistic desires, but rather offered assurance that God's abundant love meets and exceeds all our necessities. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. When the Lord appeared to Solomon, telling him, Ask, what shall I give you? Solomon replied by asking for wisdom and knowledge to be able to serve God's people. The Lord responded with great generosity by granting Solomon's humble request and added more and more. The Lord expects us to be generous with others. He prepared His nation to show kindness toward the Gentiles, for He desired to save all humanity. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We should never forget God's generous love, forgiveness, and grace, and the many challenges we face every day. Even if you feel empty of love for others, let His love fill your heart and it will naturally pour out of you. All that we can possess in life can either be drops of oil, like that which ignited the glow in the lanterns of the wise virgins, or we can become dark and hollow vessels like what the foolish virgins possessed because their souls were spiritually vacant. Faith is the vessel and love is the content. The entire world, those from the time of creation until those yet to come and receive the Lord in His glory, were granted the grace of His holy resurrection. Grace is a feature of God's generosity. No one deserves it and no one can earn it, but the Lord Christ is pleased to give it with abundance. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He expects, expects us to be like Him generous in love, gracious in speech, and considerate in all conduct. We have no enemies except Satan. 
Abundant is God's willingness to forgive all our sins. Therefore, do not hesitate to forgive others. Christ the Lord made himself the acceptable sacrifice upon whom the burdens of the people's sins are laid. He gave us the mystery of confession for constant renewal and refreshment of our souls from the bondage of sin. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. With grateful and joyful hearts, let us reflect daily on Christ's glorious resurrection and his abundant love, grace, forgiveness, and the eternal life he has appeared for us, so he has prepared for us, so that our hearts may be broadened with generosity toward all people. Through the intercession and prayers of St. Mary, all the angels and saints, we ask the Lord to preserve the life of our beloved Father, His Holiness, Pope Tawadros II, the 118th Pope of Alexandria, and Patriarch of the See of St. Mark, and to keep him on his throne for many years in peaceful times. Glory be to God forever. Signed, Bishop Yusuf, Bishop Coptic Orthodox Diocese of the Southern United States. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. I want to reflect very briefly today on some of the benefits of the resurrection of Christ. That maybe our, for us, the resurrection is simply a one-time-a-year event where we come to the church at night on a specific day. And maybe for many of us, this is the only day that we come to church, or we come to church only on feast days. But the only true way to benefit from the resurrection is to live the resurrection on a daily basis, to live this life of renewal. So I want to speak about what are the benefits? What are the benefits of the resurrection of Christ? We read in 1 Corinthians 15, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Meaning what Christ went through, his death and his resurrection, is simply the prototype of what we will all experience, that we also will die and we also will be resurrected with him. So what are the gifts and the benefits that are granted to us through the resurrection of Christ? One is the assurance of his deity. In Romans 1.4 it says, Declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So how is it that we know that Jesus is the Son of God? We know it because of the resurrection of the dead. We know him to be the Son of God. We know that he worked according to the spirit of holiness because he resurrected. In this we have the ability to overcome doubt. Many of us go through different doubts in our lives in various situations that we encounter and go through. But if we were to remember and contemplate on the resurrection of Christ, and we remember that this is no ordinary man, and this is not just the teachings of a wise man, or the teachings of a good man, or the teachings of a moral teacher, that he is actually God himself, the Son of God, because no moral teacher can resurrect himself. Even if we were to hear of someone resurrecting another person from the dead, we cannot hear about someone resurrecting himself from the dead, because when he is dead, he has no power. And yet Christ, death does not overcome him. Death does not consume him. He is actually Lord over death, just as he is Lord over life. So when we want to understand who is this man, Jesus Christ, we don't have to look at the miracles. We don't even have to look at his teachings. All we have to look at is the event of the resurrection of the, from the dead. And, and that tells us everything we need to know about him, that he is in fact God, that he is deity. And so when we remember this, it gives us the ability to overcome doubt. Another benefit that we have uh, from his resurrection is a heavenly inheritance, that we actually inherit something with him. He did not simply resurrect to demonstrate his power so that we can look at him and point and say, oh, wow, God is powerful. Look, he resurrected from the dead. No, he resurrected from the dead so that we can also be resurrected from the dead. He did not need to die to begin with. He did not need to be resurrected. He was already alive. There was no way actually he could be actually dead. In his body he was dead, but in his spirit as God in heaven he cannot die. 
So the only reason that he resurrected is for our sakes. It's so that we, though being dead, both physically dead and spiritually dead, that he would resurrect us both physically and both spiritually, and that we would have a heavenly inheritance with him. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Maybe these words to us sound strange because nothing in the earth is incorruptible. Nothing in the earth is undefiled. Nothing in the earth is eternal. Everything is temporary. Everything is corrupted. Everything is has flaws in it. And yet Christ is coming and saying, I'm offering something without flaw, without blemish, that will last forever. And he's offering it to us freely. And he wants us to accept this free gift that he is uh, offering to us. So we have become heirs with Christ. Just as Christ is the Son of God who inherits from the Father, he has also made us to be as his brothers, that we also inherit with him the, the, the kingdom of heaven. So we look forward to this incorruptible inheritance. And this is something that should give us hope in our lives, that even if everything we experience in our lives is painful and suffering and darkness, and yet we have hope that God through his resurrection, he is offering us a heavenly reward and a heavenly inheritance that cannot be corrupted. And this is something for us to always look forward to in our lives. Another benefit that we have of the resurrection is the power to overcome sin. In Philippians 3 verse 10, it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. This power to overcome sin is something very important because God has said that to be his children, we have to have a certain lifestyle. We have to live a certain way. He said, what if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So how is it that we will obey the commandments of this pure and righteous God who is eternal, who is perfect? who has such a high standard of morality and of goodness and of holiness, and he wants us all to be this way. How can we ever imagine that any of us could live according to his standard? Maybe even those of us who are parents set a standard for our children to obey that is even too high for them to reach. So how much more God, who is holy and righteous, is he going to set a standard that is beyond our ability to reach? This is why we need the power of God himself working in us through the Holy Spirit. And the resurrection is this power that allows us to be resurrected, not only at the end of our life, but to be resurrected from the beginning of our walk with Christ. Now, we are resurrected in baptism. When we are submerged in the water, we, are, we die with Christ. And when we come up out of the water, we are resurrected with him. And in this resurrection, we are a new creation. We are not the same person that even though we might look the same, and even though we might talk and act the same, but there is something changed inside of us, this power of the resurrection that allows me to live according to the way that Christ has called me to live. And in this resurrection, we begin to fight a spiritual war. That while before maybe I was a slave to this war, and there was no opportunity or, or chance for me to win, but now I become successful and I can fight against the devil and overcome him through the power of God. But this power to overcome sin requires effort on my part. That yes, God gave us the tools. He gave us the ability to overcome sin, but we will not succeed if we do not use those tools. For instance, the resurrection is not something that happens once a year. As I said before, the resurrection happens daily, all the time. I have to be struggling and fighting this fight all the time in order for me to benefit from the resurrection of Christ. Another benefit of the resurrection is a joy that cannot be taken away from us. In John 16, it says, Therefore, you now have sorrow, 
but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Again, we compare our eternal joy to maybe the temporary joys that we have in our life. There is no temporary joy we have that will not end. No matter how joyful we are one day, that whatever it is that made us joyful could be taken the next day. And so it is not because of any circumstance we experience and it is not because of any possession that we have or any relationship or any family member or any amount of money or possessions or by any means anything at all that we have that could be what is going to grant us this eternal joy. But this eternal joy only comes from God for the one thing that cannot be taken from us which is this heavenly inheritance and the presence of God himself in our lives. So why is it that we rejoice? We rejoice, one, because even though the world has been corrupted, we have an incorruptible inheritance. We don't have to worry about thieves or murderers. We don't have to worry about anything in this world, that, that God has granted us victory over it. We don't have to spend our entire lives struggling in our careers. We don't have to spend our entire life trying to mend relationships. We don't have to spend our entire life struggling against that, those things that we cannot fix, that when whatever amount of effort that we put to fix things, to improve things, the things that are not fixed, the things that remain broken, we don't have to worry about those things because there will be a day where those things will be removed, where those things will be eliminated, that anything, uh, anything corrupted, anything weak will be removed completely from us. So while we all struggle with many things and the many problems and the many crosses perhaps that we all carry, and yet we have to understand that these crosses are not forever. There is an end to this suffering and there is an end to the pain and there is an end to this corruption that God is going to give us an incorruptible inheritance, something that is perfect and without flaw and without pain or suffering. Also, we look forward and we rejoice because we can be united with God, that the wall of separation that used to be between us and God the Father is broken, is removed, is torn, that it is no longer that a consequence of our own sins that we are separated from God but that we have been reunited again with God through Christ. When we saw all the reenactment of the resurrection that we had earlier, the deacon on the outside is, is, is coming and he's, he's, he's saying, open the doors. Why are the doors closed? The doors are closed because of the sin of Adam and Eve that when they became separated from God and sin entered into the world and corruption entered into it and entered into the hearts of man, that we could no longer be united with God the Father the way that he wanted us to be from the beginning. God wanted us to be united with him. This was our natural state. Our natural state would be like Adam and Eve before the fall of man, that we were listening to the words of God speaking to us as he was walking in the garden and speaking to them, that we had all of our needs met, that we had complete peace and harmony between us and each other and between us and God. And yet all of this was broken. We sometimes forget when we speak about the earth and we say, well, this is the way that the world is. This is the way that we made the world. This is the way the world came to be as a result of our own choices. This is not the way God made the world. God intended something very different from us. So in through the power of the resurrection, we can be restored to the original state that God created us to be and we can be reunited again with God the way that he wanted us to be. And also for the first time, we rejoice because we are able to obey God's commandments. For the first time we're able to obey, there is a possibility, there is a hope that we can grow spiritually, that we can fight against sin, and that we can succeed and overcome. Another benefit of the resurrection is the ability to persevere to the end. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Even though the outward man is perishing, 
yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. What is this outward man that's perishing? This is our bodies. We are all perishing. We are all going to grow old and we will eventually die. And, and in this process, we're going to begin to lose even our faculties and our strengths and everything. This is the outward man that is perishing. No one can deny this, whether you believe in God or not. You cannot deny that the outward man is perishing. So, but what about the inward man? The inward man that is formed in us and strengthened in us through our baptism and through our participation in the sacraments, this is what is being renewed. And this renewal allows us to persevere, to persevere in our life of faith to the end because we have a hope and so we continue to persevere in order for us to realize the hope that we have. Like a person who is training for a competition, they continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger as their, their training continues. So we also are in training. This is why then in order for us again to benefit from the resurrection, it cannot be a once a year thing. A once a year attendance of a resurrection liturgy is not going to make us realize the power of the resurrection. It is not attending a liturgy for resurrection that is going to make the power of the resurrection apparent in my life. It is through the daily renewal, the daily working every day in order for me to realize this power and persevere to the end. And if we continue to work in it, it will get easier. Maybe for some of us, we feel like this is too much of a leap for me to change a lifestyle such that's so different from the lifestyle that God is calling me for. But God helps me in this process if we seek it, if we want it, and God allows it to be easier for me as we begin to grow and change. Another benefit of the resurrection is that he sows within us a desire to always be united with him, that we want to be with him. Then maybe when we live in darkness, the last thing we want is to be with God. Maybe when we are living a life of sin, we will be like Adam, that when we begin to hear the sound of God walking, instead of running to him and wanting to embrace him, we run the other way and we hide from him. This is the life of darkness. But through the power of the resurrection, this is broken. And it is no longer that I flee for him because I do not see him just as a judge who is ready to pounce on me and to condemn me. Instead, I see him as the loving Christ who was on the cross for me in order for me to be saved from my own sin. That he was not so um, disgusted by my sin that he would not come close to me just as he came close to the lepers and he touched them in order for them to be healed. So even if we see ourselves as lepers, as we see ourselves as people living in darkness, people that are far from God, and we ask ourselves, how is it that God could come? How is it that God could come and touch me and change my life? Well, he's already given us the answer. He's already come and he's touched the lives of people and he has transformed them. Romans chapter 6, it says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. We have a desire for this. We have a desire to be with God and to approach him and to believe that he was not going to cast us out, but instead he is going to forgive us and accept us. The final uh, benefit I'm going to speak about, about the resurrection, is a security from losing all that we have. We all naturally want to possess. We all feel a sense of security in our possessions and the things that we have. Our identity is tied up with what we have. And I don't mean just materialistic things. There are many things that we have. We have our mental faculties. We have our uh, jobs. We have our families. We have, we have so many things. If we were to actually, if, if you're going to remove absolutely every single thing from me, then I think I would lose completely my identity of who I am in this world. But with God, we don't have to have this. With God, we have a greater identity. When, when, when we speak about we are citizens of heaven, our citizenship in heaven exists whether or not our citizenship on earth is revoked or not. It cannot be affected. It cannot be touched. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. This earthly house he's speaking about is our body. And this tent being destroyed means that our body is dying. The greatest thing that we have is our bodies, that we, that we think of in our, in our lives. The thing, the thing we want to protect the most is our, is our flesh. The things we want, we, we want to care for, the things we want to escape harm is because our bodies to us are so precious. And this is why death is so difficult. Because we are saying that in death, the thing that I care about the most in, in my life, which is my actual body, is going to disintegrate, is going to die. It's not going to exist anymore. And this is what makes death so frightening. But that's what makes resurrection so powerful, is because it offers the solution to the greatest problem that we as human beings have, the solution for death. The, the thing that we don't want to speak about, the things that we want to think about. For instance, when it comes time to think about funeral preparations, most people don't want to think about it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think that this is going to be a real, a real, you know, a real event that happens to them. We try to blind our eyes so that we try to put off this day as though that this day is never going to come. But the resurrection makes it such that we do not have to be afraid of this day. This day actually is a day that we should be longing for, a day we should be desiring because we desire to be with God and we believe and have faith that on this day we will be with him in complete in a complete way, in the, in the kind of unity that he wanted us to have from the beginning. So through the resurrection, we have no more fear of death. Through the resurrection, we live and we serve God and we do not believe that our life ends at death, but actually our real life begins. Also, we have no fear of loss. We have no fear of loss of the things that we have because the things that we have are temporary and we understand that their value is so limited in the context of the greater things that we have in heaven. So in conclusion, we spoke about several benefits of the resurrection. The first one was the assurance of his deity. We believe that he is God because he resurrected from the dead and no one else in the history of the world has ever resurrected from the dead. The second benefit is a heavenly inheritance. We have faith in the good things that he has laid up for us in heaven, that he has offered to us, not because we deserve them, but because we have become heirs with Christ, that we are inheriting with Christ what is, his, what is the Father's. The third benefit is the power to overcome sin, that while the standards of God is so high, we don't have to feel like we are helpless. We feel that, no, in fact, God can help me, and through the working of His Spirit, we can overcome sin. The fourth benefit is a joy that cannot be taken away from us, that we believe that because God has given us these things, and because God has, will resurrect us from the dead, we have a joy that surpasses our understandings of the world. We have joy that surpasses the circumstances that we are in because no matter what I experience, I can always look to that which is greater and that which is eternal. The fifth benefit of the resurrection is the perseverance needed to finish the race. That because God resurrected and because he offers me the power of resurrection, I can be renewed day by day instead of me feeling that uh, I'm going to give up or I'm not able to continue the struggle. God gives me the power to continue. The sixth benefit of the resurrection was the desire to always be with him, that we desire to be with him more than we desire to be with anyone or anything else. This is something that God sows in us when we, become to, when we come to know him, when we begin to understand him, when we, we begin to, to love him. And the final benefit we spoke about was the security from losing all that we have, that God becomes our security, not any person and not anything in the world. So may God grant us the knowledge of the benefits of his resurrection and motivate us to work, to be renewed day by day in him and to participate in the church and his sacraments that he allowed for our sanctification. And glory be to God forever. Amen.